0: Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgrow DeKalb Brand Seeds. Well, ready or not, here we go. Welcome to Episode 1, and and what a perfect week to kick off our Iowa Agronomy Podcast. It's Agronomy Week here at Asgro DeKalb. So first off, we uh, think we better take a shout out and thank all of our technical agronomists our dealer network and our sales staff for all of your your agronomy support uh, throughout the season so our expectations of this podcast is really to bring you uh, our agronomy highlights uh, throughout that year Uh, we plan to record episodes about every other week or as main topics really pop up throughout the year we hope to maybe be on demand and, and bring you some of those highlights. We have three or four of these episodes mapped out already, but we would love to hear have you help us out with what, uh, what's on your mind. So, so please send us a tweet with your questions or topics, and you can send those to the uh, DeKalb Asgro, Iowa uh, account at dkas underscore Iowa or to the Huxley Learning Center at dhuxleylc. And use the hashtag AskIowaAgronomy. We'll use that hashtag uh, throughout the year to help uh, answer your questions. We may send you a response uh, on Twitter, and hopefully we can uh, answer that question on our future episodes. So without further delay, let's get started with our topic for today. Today's conversation is is going to be all about getting ready to plant corn and, and some high-yield management tips uh, along the way, uh, and even some product highlights uh, as we go through uh, today's conversation as well. So to help us get started uh, with this topic, uh, we have a couple of, of the industry's best technical agronomists. Today we've got uh, Jim McDermott and uh, John Swalwell. Good morning, guys.
1: Morning, Brett. Good morning, Brett. Thanks Good for having morning.
0: Uh, so uh, we uh, were, this is kind of going to be our format for uh, our podcast. We're going to invite some of our um, agronomists, maybe some of our uh, other Decal Basgro counterparts throughout, uh, throughout the season to really help us uh, get started with our, our highlights and topics throughout the season and, and what better way to get us started with, uh, with these guys with Jim and, and John. So without, uh, that let's get started on on corn and corn planting. So today we're recording on on April fifth, and and typically this time of year, guys, we are uh, trying to do everything we can to keep uh, keep our customers out of the field. Uh, Mother nature seems to be doing uh, a good job of that. And uh, so what um, what are we looking for here to get us started? Any any old wives' tales to that we go off of to help us
1: make sure we know when to start planting corn? Well, Brent, uh, I'm up in Northwest Iowa, based in Spencer. I cover a good share of Northwest Iowa and certainly uh, no worries about making a decision on being in the field or not. Uh, We've got snow on the ground. Uh, So it it is what it is. uh, I've always, I guess, as far as wives' tales, uh, we don't worry about the things that we can't control. So certainly can't control the weather. Um, So I guess at this point, it's all about making sure we're ready when the weather hits, making sure our plans are made. And uh, when the the weather cooperates and we're able to get into the fields that we'll be ready to go.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And I cover the Southern part of the state uh, down on the Missouri line. And for us, you know, we out in a big hurry. And I think uh, your point, Jim, to just make sure that we have everything done that we can have done because down here, it'll take two to three good days of sunshine and our soil temps will pop back up into the fifties and we can, we can be rolling pretty quickly. Um, so that, that's a, that's a good takeaway is just to make sure that we got our office work done and our plan in place rather than, um, uh, complaining about the weather.
0: Well, it's, it's really good to see that our, our technical group uh, is really sound mind and ready to go that we're really not just basing our
1: decisions off of, uh,
0: Oak leaves and squirrel ears and barn swallows, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've
1: got a few more tools. <laughs> yeah, in the toolbox now, Brent.
0: Yeah, no, and, and the forecast doesn't look good, right? So we we've got uh, the S word uh, snow in the forecast. I know a, a couple more times uh, through the weekend. So we're uh, so we've got plenty of time here, uh, maybe another week and a half or, or so before. Uh, we even think about uh, getting getting those corn planters out and and filling them up. So, guys, I, I just want to kind of touch on, you know, as we're as we're getting prepared, you know, maybe we've done some of this already over the winter months. But, you know, I just want to go through some of the resources that we have, uh, and mainly touch around making sure that we've got the right planting populations with our with our products in the fields and where those environments come in. I just wondered if. If, um, John, you could maybe go through some of those resources for us on how, how we kind of get that started with, with our products.
2: Yeah, we've got uh, really some pretty cool tools uh, that we can work with. Um, it kind of started last year. We had a pretty good uh, run with, with this same kind of system. But if you guys are running um, a smartphone and have the ability to scan the QR code that's on the bag tag, They've got a pretty nice system set up there that you can scan that bag tag. It will take you to ag anytime um, or our DeKalbazgro.com website. And it'll give you some information on the product that you just scanned. Um, So it'll give you the normal placement information, some of the ratings about its emergence um, and and different plant ratings that we have on them. But then it takes you into the uh, planting rate optimizer and you can put in your, um, seed cost, your yield potential, um, and it's gonna spit out a uh, recommendation for the population that you should plant. Um, so th- this is a really nice tool uh, as a refresher. A lot of guys are going through and making some scripts, uh, whether that's a variable rate script that you're doing as a manual script in climate or whether it's just so um, you're, you're making out your plans for how to plant the fields conventionally and what population to do. It's, it's a pretty nice tool that we have. Um, occasionally when we run those scenarios, Um, it's going to kick out a number that is maybe outside your comfort zone. And I guess one of the things that we try and uh, bring to people's mind is that what you get when you go through the planting rate optimizer is really a a output from an algorithm that we have that looks back at the data that we've generated in our 2012 through 2017 gen studies. Um, And so what that does is it gives you a number of what we see is the optimum planting rate for your farm. Um, and sometimes, like I said, because of the algorithm or because of the years that that particular product has been tested, or maybe the, the uh, plots that were in your area had extremely high or extremely low yields. Sometimes you may find a number that is a bit outside your comfort zone, but you can always still use that tool to compare and contrast one hybrid to the other on which one is more population sensitive, or which one is less population sensitive? So there's nothing wrong with customizing that for your own field um, with what's been successful with you in the past. Uh, it's just a great resource, and it's a nice way to actually get straight output from our testing program into a grower's hands for their consideration. Uh,
0: that's good info. So, so if you know if we don't have that QR uh, scanner on the phone, you know, Jim, is there is there website or something we can go to to maybe get that same information?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you can certainly go to decalb.com and it's really one of the first things that'll come up as far as the optimize my seeding rate tool. Like John said, uh, you know, it's, it's a great tool. There's there's hybrids that have five years of data with over 150 locations represented. So a huge database, uh, you know, really unmatched in the industry. Uh, so I would certainly be, be using this tool to fine-tune your recommendations. Uh, for every grower's situation is different, and especially when you start seeing uh, maybe if you're using a high yield environment of a 240 bushel or 250 bushel or higher yield environment, um, like John mentioned, you may get a fairly high population recommendation that, that is outside your comfort zone. And anytime we are pushing yield, we're in those high management scenarios, Uh, We population is just one aspect, you know, certainly fertility, uh, fungicide, uh, drainage, uh, you know, all the management factors that go into high yield corn uh, have to be in place uh, other than just the population. So if you do see a a population recommendation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, say for Northwest Iowa, we might see a recommendation at uh, 39,000. Well, if if we're in that type of high population environment. we know we're, we're going to need the potassium is that is so important with, uh, standability. Uh, we know we're going to need the nitrogen to be able to carry that crop through. Uh, so we really look at this tool as a way of, uh, um, implementing all of our management into that population. So population is just one aspect. So that's one thing I really want to drive home to growers that, uh, uh, we, we really need a systems approach when we're talking these high management scenarios.
0: Yeah, that that's good information. And so, you know, like you said, population is just one one piece of it. But there's there's many strategies that go into that population, uh, choosing the right population. And so you, you mentioned the years of research that go go into that that database. Is that does that information flow into our variable rate scripts and climate then as well?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, the the variable rate scripts through climate uh, that really have just been out there for the last couple of years, um, you know, utilize all this information. So a tremendous amount of background uh, that goes into it. And and, like like we both mentioned, you know, the ability to access it either online or through climate with auto scripts is available for our growers.
2: And just a couple
1: of call outs on that, Brent.
2: Um, since it is based off of the data, when you're putting in your scenarios, you may run into something where you're outside of the yield range that that product tested in. So like when I was playing with it, um, say we've got uh, some rougher soils that don't really have the greatest yield potential. And we're looking at what is the proper population for that secondary acre. I put in 150 bushels uh, for a couple of the products and I didn't get a result. And that is because the curve that has been generated off the last few years data was higher than that. And so we were kind of outside the parameters of the model. So you can find some things like that, that will pop up when you're exploring it. You can also find that maybe a brand new product didn't have enough testing data to um, actually make a good recommendation on it. So you might find a product missing also. So that's all just because um, this, this stuff is, is based off of uh, the, Research we've done. It is a data driven model. If the data is not there for the environment or for the product that you are interested in, you may find a couple holes in it, but um, it's still a really good, really good product to use uh, and um, consider when you're coming to your final populations. And it's it's really a nice progression from what we've had
1: in the past to get actual data into growers' hands to make those decisions. John, yeah, that's a great call out, John. I, I would just say, too, on the zip code as the grower enters their zip code. Um, once in a while, you, you may not have the data come up for your particular town. Well, simply a matter of you know, picking the town maybe 10 miles away or 20 miles away. Uh, and, and then generally, you're going to get that information. So uh, there there's definitely is a, a lot of data in the system, but sometimes there's, there are holes out there. So uh, it's, as, as most tools, you just have to experiment with a little bit
0: but, but certainly heading in the right direction though. I, I like where, where we're headed here on, on getting that information into our, our customers hands. So we're, um, we've got our populations ready. We've got our scripts ready now. And, you know, the calendar's going to, going to crop insurance dates going to turn here next week. And, and the calendar's going to say, get ready to go, you know, so what, um, You know, what are some products that, you know, you might, you know, tell a guy, you know, this is going to be the first one to start with or or maybe vice versa. What's one you don't want to start with is and mainly based around emergence. So maybe get some of your thoughts real quick on on the northern and southern parts of the state. John, I'll start with you. You'll be the first one planting anyway.
2: Yep. And so I will, uh, I'll probably start at the 110 maturity and Jim can chime in earlier than that. Um, But we have really good confidence in some of our higher volume products on an early planting window. Your 60, 67, 60, 69 family uh, has done well. 60, 87, 89 family has done well. A real standout on its emergence is uh, the 61, 54, 55 family um, and 63, 60. Those last two are really they have shown some really differentiation from the rest of the pack when we evaluate them in plots and, and pop out of the ground quick. And they can also handle the, a cool down that can come afterwards. Um, one that I would say over the past couple years uh, we've had to manage, um, that would be 6278. That's a really good product. But when we get an early planting window followed by some cool weather, that thing doesn't seem to tolerate it quite as well as some of the other products that we have. So a lot of people position that Maybe, maybe not out the gate first thing, if we have cool soil temps, um, uh, go with some of these other stronger products uh, when we have those type of conditions.
1: Yeah, and as we go north, and I, I guess I would just add along with this, um, you know, obviously uh, it goes without saying, but uh, patience is key. Um, corn, we always like to target that 50 degree soil temperature. Uh, personally, uh, certainly, field growers can go before fifty degree soil temperature, especially if we've got some drier conditions. Um, uh, you know, the combination of cool and wet is, is obviously what we want to avoid, but uh you know, first and foremost, making sure our, our conditions are right. Um and then as far as our hybrid selections, um really to the north, we've got a lot of nice options that uh, are some of our best emergers. Um we have a couple to highlight, uh, 4972 and 5438. Uh Two of products that uh, have been some of the best out of the ground, uh, we've seen them emerge in some of the uh, high organic matter, heavy soils, and uh, do an excellent job. A few of the others to highlight, 5356, 5520, 5797, and then uh, 5806. Um, you know, Some of our key high volume hybrids um, just happen to be some of uh, the best emergers as far as uh, products coming out of the ground. On the flip side, I guess some of the products that uh, you know, we want to make sure that we've got uh, maybe a little warmer soils or uh, more ideal conditions. Um, on the earlier side, uh, 45-65 um, as we move into the 100 uh, day maturity, a little bit of an older product 4994, there's still some of that being planted, that's one that uh, we always want to make sure that we've got some warmer soils uh, before we, we uh, put that in the ground. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where as we head to the field, and especially if we have a delayed planting season, um, a lot of times the plans, frankly, do go out the window. So uh, anything we can do to, to map out those hybrids that, uh, that we want to be planting first, you know, now is the time to do it and make sure that we do have that plan in place uh, so when we're ready to go that we can be most efficient with our time.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good a good call out there, Jim. This is uh, this is going to be a perfect couple weeks to, to make that plan and, and get it in place while we're while we're waiting on Mother Nature to, to turn around for us. So let's switch gears a little bit. And, uh, you know, we we've still got some decisions to make on this crop. And uh, so what you know, what are some of those decisions that can still can still influence a high yield a high yield crop and then what are also some of the decisions that we make that could also hurt that high yield and and maybe some of those things that can't be fixed once, once we make them. So, uh, John, we'll, we'll kick it back to you.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's back to the, to plant or not to plant. Um, you know, there's a couple things that you just can't get back if you do incorrectly at first. And if we are planting in the conditions, where we uh, make a lot of sidewall compaction because it's just not fit yet, or if we don't get the planting uh, depth correct, those things can haunt us at uh, later on in the season. They can have a significant yield impact when things stack up, right? So as we're getting to the field, I mean, we want to maintain the high yield potential of that product and that field. And we really can't guarantee that it's going to have high yield potential if we screw up on the planting operation. So even if we get pushed back uh, because of mother nature, um, we need to just make sure that every acre we plant, we have the things that we can control um, in in the right position. A lot of guys um, have have, uh, really nice planters equipped with um, down pressure systems that can change on the fly. Um, and we just need to really be paying attention to the, the changing conditions that can be from field to field. I think it's going to be interesting. We really did have a pretty nice freeze and thaw this winter. We got some more frost in the ground than the last couple of years. But we've had some rains down here that have kind of settled the dirt. So understanding the conditions when we first hit the field, getting the planting depth right, um, having the down pressure right are, are really things that we have to do to stay in that high yield potential for that particular field that that's the first step it's good jim
0: uh any any follow-up there you bet yeah
1: along with that uh you know, we don't know exactly what this spring will bring but uh, uh the, the chances are with the equipment the growers have and the work ethic that we have that we we're going to be planting some long hours uh and as we start to uh, say maybe at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, and then we're going at 9 o'clock that night or later. And with RTK, we've got the ability to uh, go all night. In some cases, uh, you know, the, the field conditions, planting conditions are going to change, and, and that's really the key because as we, as we start to push it, and especially if we've got some wet spots out there, um, a lot of times uh, the dirt and the mud can build up on our gauge wheels and our planting depth can change uh, throughout the field, throughout the day. Uh, So that's really a key, and especially with John mentioning the sidewall compaction, as we get into uh, shallower planting depth, especially if we've got soils that are just a little bit on the tacky side, uh, it is a very tough combination, as it can certainly lead to crusting, it can certainly lead to that uh, potential of rootless corn syndrome, Uh, so really the the mistakes at planting um, do haunt us all season long, as far as nutrient uptake, and as far as drought tolerance, uh, if we compromise that root system early in the growing season. Uh, so, you know, being patient, uh, obviously giving it a chance to, to dry out uh, is helpful. But uh, we know in the real world, sometimes we do have to push it. But uh, as long as we're continually, continually checking our planting conditions throughout the day and throughout the, uh, the night hours, uh, we've got a much better chance to, to get that seed off to the, the right start and, and make sure we've got the depth that we need.
2: And it seems like it seems like the fields that we end up walking where there is a problem there's more than one thing that was out of whack at planting time um, we can't control what the weather's going to do we can't control the soil moisture but if we make sure that the things we can control are in the right spot we're less likely to have the stresses build up on that corn to to where we're walking that field they're having a substandard stand or unevenness so Get what you can control correct, um, and you're not going to have control over everything. But if we don't have two strikes against us, we're likely to come out on the good side.
0: Yeah, so so good points there on on a lot around our, our planning conditions. Are are you guys looking for any any in season uh, decisions? You know, uh, around uh, fertility, uh, maybe some disease management,
1: anything like that that can
0: still be still be made here in the next couple months.
1: Well, absolutely. And, and that's especially Brent, when you talk about, you know, high yield management, um, you know, we've seen the last few years where, you know, maybe we uh, you know, haven't been able to plant the crop timely and maybe it's been dry through June and July. Um, and we've still ended up with some excellent yields. Uh, so the management throughout the season is certainly we want to continue to do. We really don't want to give up on the crop and not, not many growers do, but uh, we, we've, we've seen that we can have some tough conditions early and still the management can pay off. Um, you know, obviously, uh, split applying or side dressing our nitrogen is a uh, is a management tool that uh, I think in our high yield environments or high yield years uh, really pays big dividends. Um, you know, obviously, being able to feed that crop later into the season, especially once we get past uh, V five uh, between that V five and V eight time, that's really when the nitrogen uptake is starting, and we're also starting to form our our rows around on that ear. So we want to make sure we've got good nitrogen availability at that time. And as as well as later into the season, when we're making that fungicide decision, um, we continue to see years that are a little bit on the drier side and maybe a a lower disease pressure year, uh, but we still see some pretty good response uh, to fungicide applications. We certainly want to make that decision by the field and, and you know, by the yield environment, um, by hybrid. Um, but all those things to, to fine tune in season uh, can help us uh, bring out that, that top end yield. Yeah, just a couple things to add to that,
2: Jim. I, I noticed down here in this market, um, we're seeing a lot more uh, things like ammonium sulfate being spun on over the top of the crop early in the season. Um, a lot of guys have associated that with some of their best yields last season. So I think it's got to do with feeding the plant from different timings of applications to, to make sure that we don't incur a short-term nutrient stress. We've got guys using foliar applications or side dress applications of some micronutrients that they didn't do in the past. I think that has added to uh, some of our high yield potential on these good fields. Um, also the in the, the earlier vegetative stage, application of fungicides has actually shown a better response over the last couple of years than we've seen historically. So I think guys need to keep their minds open and and really manage by the field on these in-season applications. We, we're, we're not in the economy where we can just adopt every single application that could add to our yield in the end. We've got to force rank them to the ones that will be the best return on investment. So I feel like my better producers are doing a better job of segmenting their acres, taking the fields that really have that potential and hitting them with the high management extra trips while saving the dollars on the other acres that have shown historically a less, less potential to really get them in that high yield situation. And I think it's done a lot to optimize their profitability. Um, in this market that we're in, it would be really easy to say that I just got to pull in my input costs Um, I really, you know, with the commodity price as it is, I can't afford to have as much tied up in this crop. But I think some guys are really uh, doing a more efficient job by readjusting them uh, in uh, more precise ways on different fields to maintain themselves in that high yield pool, but also cut down on maybe some of the unnecessary input costs. Uh,
0: That's good. That's good stuff, you guys. And I think, uh, John,
2: you kind of touched on
0: some of that Risk-reward, uh, high-yield management versus tough acre, tough acre environments, and those are, are key key things that I think we need to focus in on with our customers uh, into this uh, this tough economy. And uh, uh, important notes to take there. So, so we're we're headed down the home stretch here. Uh, I wanted to get a couple final takeaways uh, from each of you guys, and, and maybe give us a couple a couple highlights or a couple of corn products that you guys are. Um, Going to be watching throughout the year and and got a a good eye on and and, uh, have some high hopes for uh, to be watching out for this season.
1: Well, you bet. I'll start here in the north. And, you know, if you talk about some of these high yield environments, um, we we certainly have some hybrids that uh, I would classify as offensive and that uh, do tend to respond to a little bit more management. Um, Some of them tend to be uh, the newer germplasm, which generally is going to give us our, our best uh, top-end environment yields, um, but uh, DKC 5008, uh, new 100-day is really one for a high-yield environment uh, that, that we're going to be watching close so, uh, in its first year out last year in plots, uh, just did a phenomenal job, especially uh, across a, a lot of different geographies, so uh, that's going to be a key one, uh, 5138 uh, as well as, as, that, as uh, 5008, a nice companion right there in that 100-day uh, market, uh, to go on some of the better heavier soils uh,
2: 5806
1: as well uh, that that one uh, does take a little bit more management and, and really overall a little better soils but uh, we do see some top end uh, when we do apply management to that particular product. So uh, starting kind of in that 110 range I guess.
2: I got kind of two categories. I mean, I feel like DKC 6087, 6220, 6252, 6321, 6434, 6675 are all products that can run to those high yield potential fields. Um, So we got a lot of of those type of products in the lineup that we can use. I I think for particular attention this year, Um, 62, 52, and 53 were new in plots last year. And I think that is a product that I'm really watching. We've got it in growers' hands this year. It's going to go out across more acres. It's going to help us characterize um, what soils it it fits best and what it doesn't. But I think it's going to have a nice combination of high yield potential with ability to handle some variable soils. So I think that'll be a key product for us. And I think as far as ones to watch, um, 64, 34, and 35 – was just phenomenal last year, and everybody is looking to it. And so I, I really think that we need to flesh out that full season market, um, and we're gonna get a lot more exposure this year to uh, 6595 and 6675. And I think that's gonna help us differentiate, um, get some different products in that full season mix. Uh, I think we're gonna find that maybe there's uh, 6595 has a little more um, utility on some of those variable and tough acres. The 6675, I think, is going to offer us that same high yield potential as 6434 and, and allow us to keep things diverse out there. So it's going to be fun to watch those products over a larger number of acres um, this summer uh, to help us keep refreshing that portfolio and giving guys options to uh, keep some diversity in their lineup.
0: Wow. A lot of, a lot of great products there to, to watch out this, this season and uh, be on the lookout, I guess, throughout the season on how how those progress and, and we'll, um, we'll kind of be watching those and follow them along here on the podcast throughout, throughout the season. So any, uh, any final words or any calming thoughts here as we uh, head out the door, hopefully in the next couple of weeks and get started planting some of these.
1: Well, Brent, you probably hit the nail on the head as far as the calm part. Um, You know, again, that it's one of those years that, uh, you know, we don't know what the next few weeks will bring, but it looks like we're off to a slow start and maybe kind of a trying start, but, uh, uh, the, the patience in April uh, pays off in October. So that would probably be the key thing. Um, we wanna make sure we, we get this crop off to a good start. So giving a little extra time, uh, making sure our fields are fit, I think is a key factor for right now. Yep, I would echo that. And just for
2: me being in the South, I mean, just be ready. Like I said, our, our soils tend to straighten up quite quickly all it takes is, you know, three days of sunshine shining, um, and we can have some really nice planting conditions. So don't get bogged down in, um, worried that we're not going to get in there. Make sure you're monitoring conditions, um, and, and be ready to maximize the number of acres that you get in, um, while the conditions are good. And, you know, I don't believe weathermen very far out. It's the 5th of April. Um, you know, A lot of years we will have some corn planted in that early planting window from the 9th to the 12th but historically most of our corn goes in the ground between the 20th of April and the 1st of May and we've gotten some really good yield potentials out of those planting windows and so um, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're gonna have some nice planting conditions in that good calendar window to put ourselves in a position to get some good yields again this year.
0: Yeah. We, it seems like patience is key here. It sounds like this is the common theme and, and we've got, we've got the equipment to get the, get the seed in the ground. We just got to go back to your, your considerations topic here of making sure we've got the, got the right conditions. So so guys, thanks a lot. Uh, great episode here on on corn and, and how we maximize some of those yields, but also maybe uh, give us some risk reward there as well on some of our different environments. So thanks, Jim. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, great, uh, Great to have you guys on. The next episode is going to be focused in on soybean uh, high yield management soybean agronomics and and kind of shift gears into soybeans here and probably a week and a half or so we'll get the next one up uh, if you guys uh, hopefully enjoyed uh, our episode and and certainly give us a shout out uh, on twitter like i said and, and use hashtag ask iowa agronomy so thanks for listening and hope to see you back thanks guys bye thanks brett thank you